Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my co-host, Light. Hey, how's everyone doing? This is Light, the Light-Fingered Thief. And our guest today is Cameron Shanton of Shanton Productions. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Really great to be here. It's good to have you on. Now, you've got a few things out there right now, correct? Yep. Quite a few. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I got a, a couple of free things. I've been getting into doing these like one pagers, which I'm always going to sell for free. Uh, just not enough content for me to feel like, you know, eh, it's quick and easy and kind of get it out. Uh, and then uh, a couple of uh, paid things, uh, some longer adventures and then some shorter dungeon modules. The Lair Lazier is my newest one easily got to be one of my best works yet i think i played through it with a couple of groups on my own during play testing and that went really well people get very creative in, <laughs> in ways that i could never have anticipated <laughs> tell us a little bit about the adventure and, and oh, whatnot yeah. i love yeah hear. definitely uh yeah so it uh, it it focuses on uh, originally I wanted it to be part of a setting that I was, that I was working on for a private campaign, but I kind of geared away from that, but left some of the backstory in the introduction and stuff, but it focuses around basically a, a large, like subterranean system. So it's like a cave with all of this, like weird stuff going on, like reverse air flows and reverse water flows. And there's kind of like a, it's a little grungy, uh, a little gritty uh, kind of, there's like a flesh gate with like a treasure hoard, which is like very, um, I'm trying to think of the adventure, kind of like Halls of the Blood King. It was very much inspired by the the art uh, on the front there by um, Diago. Huge, huge fan of his. Uh, loved the episode that he was on here. Yeah. <laughs> so for the uh, layers, of what uh, levels did you recommend for that adventure? Yeah, I, I, I ran it through with levels like one. So like a starting party, a lot of hirelings. A starting party. Yeah. Uh, all the hirelings died. Uh, well, when I when I read through it, I was thinking this could be like a you know level three ish type of adventure, depending on yeah. uh, some of the things that you encounter. Let's say, yeah, I I think if if you run through the full gambit on the on the content there, level one to two probably advise or uh, level two to three probably advised. Or very challenging for level one with hirelings. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's definitely. I like to. I you know I got I got into OSR games specifically because I I got a little tired of the 5e kind of Pathfinder like where it didn't feel like there was too hefty of a challenge and I, I get that the systems are like focused on different things but um, I really like the the old school style of like dungeoneering and and it being you know kind of a bloodbath. <laughs> you that's know, why we love the osr and oc <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, you know growing up 5e was already out by the time i started looking at tabletop games and so it was the first thing i played because i'm only 25 so I, oh. I haven't been playing uh you know tabletop games that long but i've been dming now for i don't know five years or so i guess i got into it kind of after college and yeah but i really like that and i like that that harsh like sort of like semi-realistic like yeah Hey, if you get stabbed, <laughs> you're dead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, so I, I really I brought that into the Lair of Lazier pretty heavily, but I, I didn't want to do the thing where it's like you open a door and a giant log 
smashes your head. <laughs> that's just not fun, you know. It's right. like, it's like surprise trap, bam. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I kind of left it. It's not very trap heavy. I I don't like using traps personally in my designs. I don't think I'm creative enough to make them interesting. Just I'm not creative enough with with that kind of thing to like make them interesting enough. But I've been exploring it a little bit in my one pagers and and stuff like that, like little puzzles and, and traps right. and you know force fields and. Uh, yeah, I saw that in your tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make a suggestion here, just off the fly. Have have you Goodman Games put out this massive collection? It's huge and expensive of the Grimm's Tooth traps. Have you picked that up yet or looked through? I this? have not. You had to send me a link oh. to it after this. I had to check that out. It is amazing. It's like all the old. They put out a bunch of old books back in the day. Um, it was, right. It wasn't. It wasn't Judges Guild. It was. It was uh, the other one that I was confused um, with. Judges Guild. Well, who was it that originally put them out? Buffalo. The, oh, was it Flying, Flying Buffalo? Buffalo. Yeah. It was Flying Buffalo. Yeah. I think Flying Buffalo originally put them out, and then they collected this massive like thousand. Must be. It might be like a thousand pages. <laughs> it, it's traps. Huh? It is great. Yeah, it is a tome of traps. I have all to check that out. Neutral. All system oh, that's, neutral. That's even better. Like, yeah. there's no stats. It just tells you these crazy traps, and you let you go with it. And it <laughs> is a, it, it's just a tongue-in-cheek read. There's lots of fun stuff. There's a little Grimm's tooth care. Oh, it's one of the best books for traps. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna get a link from you guys after this. That's yeah, yeah would have. So, yeah. I mean, you know, Cameron, we're really encouraged seeing the younger generation get into the OSC and OSR. I mean, obviously for me and Logar, we've been, that's what we grew up playing with, but seeing new folks come into the uh, OSE systems is really great. So what made you pick like say OSE versus, I don't know, like Swords and Wizardries or some of the other retro clones, Labyrinth Lord, and you know, there's plenty yeah. of retro clones out there. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a good question. I have to say, like, honestly, I think, I think I, as a creator initially, like when I started creating like content for public stuff, I, I kind of ignored uh, a really big truth, which is that presentation is is what sells a product. The content <laughs> uh, <can> yeah. <laughs> great. You know, it's like the content can be great, but if the presentation is off, it's just not it's just not gonna catch the eye, you know, it's it's not gonna draw people into it. And OSE is is I mean, it's fantastic beautiful. layout. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful right? art, beautiful cover. The books are solid material. It, you know, it's it's they're they're really great in terms of presentation. And when I started getting a little tired of 5e, I was like, well, I, I want to like move into something that's like maybe a little more, you know, I don't want to say historical, but, uh, you know, something that a little more in the in the old roots of things and you know because i like uh i'd you know seen you know i'd seen content you know for years about it and stuff and i just never had anybody to kind of play it with and my wife has been very tolerant uh <laughs> and, and uh she's she's starting to get into uh you know tabletop gaming and stuff here we we, we do a pathfinder campaign with her boss uh that's been a, a lot of fun <laughs> that's yeah. awesome yeah and um yeah, so I think OSE, the thing uh, that really brought me to it was presentation. I recently picked up a copy of Nave too. Oh, it's, um, it's one that we're looking at too. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I really want to run that after reading through it. I was like, oh, this is 
awesome. I love the way the ability scores work. It's very unique that way. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So we'll let you know because Nave is on our list of games to play. So whenever we run it, we'll um, send you a note. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, no, I mean, um, I really do appreciate, for example, in the modules that we've looked over that you've written that the layouts have been very clean. Um, I did do a blog post yeah. review of the one of your modules, the laboratory of of Ord, and I really appreciate it. It was easy to read through, easy to find the information. You know, it was like you got yeah. monsters, yeah. bold face, so I can look those up really easily. You have yep. lots I try of, to keep, of rooms. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. I don't have any like graphic design experience. Right. I recently put out a call to like, you know, find some artists and people to do layout. Um, Talk to Luger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On a, on a bigger, uh, for a bigger project, project project that I'm working on. Cause I just, I I don't have, I'm not like that kind of creative. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not visually uh, like kind of oriented when it comes to, to that kind of stuff but i like to keep the content as like slim and simple as possible for for accessibility's sake because i, I yep. feel like that's I, i've never run a module that i haven't written I've, not once uh i i've ran um uh one of the ose modules um i'm blanking on the name uh the incandescent grotto i've run that Yep, um, we, we played that and, one. <laughs> and that was the first time since I started playing in five years that I've used a pre-prepared adventure. And what I love about the OSE modules, as a side note, is how how clean they are. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I love the map references on it. I'd love to do something like that, but I am awful with image editors. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah. so with my own stuff, I took some inspiration definitely from um, from. Diago and Gavin's work and in terms of that simplicity and that like making it very clear you know what what's happening where right. and why and and, and it, like I said for accessibility's sake because you never know I mean I, you know there could be somebody who wants to DM that you know maybe just is isn't too great at reading or you know might have dyslexia or, or something like that and it's like the cleaner and the simpler we make things the easier it is to understand and it leaves room for referees and game masters to tailor that adventure to fit within an ongoing campaign which i think is really important it is it is that's great that you know you're able to like you said take some of the work that you've written and be able to drop them into your own personal campaign you know take your pick if it's in dolmenwood or if it's in some other you know universe that we play in right exactly i keep the adventure self-contained like in the laboratory of ord like that that whole thing is is very self-contained and i keep the the sort of plot hook of like people are missing right uh pretty (laughs) strange lights going on (laughs) right it's like yeah you know it keeps it simple enough that it's just like pick a village in your setting and have people go missing right like that's all you have to do you know and it (laughs) makes the implementation very easy i think you know no that's great so do you plan to continue to release uh for ose osr type of system then yeah yeah i i think i might i like you know i like publishing for specific rule sets but i think you know, I mean, it's like if you're if you're doing it for OSE, it could very easily be translated into, 
you know, Nave or, you know, even Morkborg or, you know, some of the, yeah. you know, as Any long of the as OSR rule sets. Yeah. Right. You know, so I've been thinking about moving into like a, a more ambiguous thing like that. I'm trying to flush out a way to like present monsters with like a basic amount of information that that is easily translatable to to any rule set, uh, you know, like, a, you know, like covering the basics, like I feel like HP right yeah. pretty, pretty common like hit dice armor class and damage really you know right I exactly and then like some special you know if the monster has some kind of special ability or something it does it's like that typically like that can fall mechanically but it's like osc doesn't really go in depth about like what cold damage does right or you know it, it specifies it but it doesn't say that it does anything else so it's you know i i think it's simple enough to be like Here's the basic information. Uh, if you need to assign saving throw values, do that on your own. Just find a comparable monster or, you know, something I, in the system. And so I've been thinking about that because I, I like designing monsters. You know, I'm, I'm getting the hang of it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's a little iffy here and there, but uh, once you find a good base to work from, you know, it kind of it sorts itself out. I'll be totally honest, like 99% of the time I've designed or created a new monster, I've just taken an existing stat block and described it differently. <laughs> and yeah. like maybe added like, oh, well, this does this. Here's a die. I haven't done much designing or intricate work with it. Yeah, there, uh, there's a guy on YouTube puts out videos. So I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name, but he did a video about using the Owlbear stat block in 5e to make any monster and i watched it it was like you know like a 13 or 14 minute video and i watched it and i was like that's incredible i was, I was <laughs> like i was like you really you could like if there's like just this one monster that you can build from and expand right. and it you can make it fit anything because it's just like it's it's like almost perfectly balanced in terms of 5e has some crazy the like make a monster part of the dungeon master's guide uh is it gets very complicated when you're when you're trying to balance it but yeah and, and so i'm working on uh the new title a little bit about the new title i'm working on i guess it, it's it's very like original because i kind of grew up in like you know video games were pretty readily available in terms of like being on new gen consoles and stuff so i i was really into like the first video game i ever played was the original fallout like the the original isometric fallout one you know way back when and i loved that world and i you know unfortunately bethesda's gotten uh maybe a little off track with it uh but, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so I took that and I played another game called Caves of Quad that is fantastic. And if it's not already a tabletop rule set, I'd be very surprised. I haven't looked into it, but it, it is built as a tabletop rule set, basically, and then translated in game. It's so fun. I dumped way too many hours into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, so I'm working on a new project. Uh, it's going to it's called the Mutoids of the Chromatic Sewer Kingdom. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I really liked that that concept uh, uh, that that's in Caves of Quad. It, it's really like mutant kind of crazy future, like post collapse of civilization. Right. And uh, so I, I really like that. And I like the original Fallout. So we, we started working on the um, uh, this title called Mutoids of the Chromatic Sewer Kingdom that's very inspired by that. It all takes place underground, 
like there's uh you know lore wise it's like there's the above and the below and nobody goes above <laughs> everyone's down below because it's fall above <laughs> yeah and uh because the, the story is that like what if a fantasy world reached the nuclear age combined magic with nuclear weapons and then like truly did a number on the surface um, and so everybody flees underground. And I, I love that mutoid class from the carcass crawler. I think it's the, the zeroth. Oh, that's, I don't got the zero. I want that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, I love it. I, I think, I think Gavin mentioned something about releasing it publicly at some point. I will buy it. But I think I might have seen that on the Discord. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But I really want to expand that because I love that. It's got this like roll table. I think it might be, uh, I think he might be re-releasing this in the newest Carcass Crawler. Uh, uh, okay. But it's got a roll table that you roll on to generate like uh, mutations. And, and they all give you like some kind of positive effect. Like one's like Crab Claw and it just gives you a giant claw that does like 1d3 damage but if you roll it again you get two attacks and a turn at 1d3 damage and and so i love it i I, so (laughs) i'm expanding those tables that like genetic mutation table and then like coming up with like the setting and and the the, you know different aspects of the world and i'm going to do like this massive like labyrinthine you know sewer map uh to kind of you know fit within it so i got i got a question and this is going to another game have you checked out uh free league's mutant year zero at all i have not i i i saw it when the video game came out and i looked it up and i saw the tabletop game and i was like that's very interesting I would suggest I checking it out a little bit just to like see what they did because it's very their games are really hex crawl heavy. They have very old school elements. You might find some interesting stuff and they're like, oh, that's work. I'm just just the side note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I definitely I want to look into source material for it. I'm I'm having a, a friend of mine, um, a fellow by the name of Josh. Uh, I won't say his last name just for his own privacy, but um. Uh, he's he's going to be contributing on it to help me with some of the like more wacky kind of zany things, you know. I have a lot of ideas in terms of like how the combination of like radiation infused magic has like dramatically impacted, uh, you know, right ev- everything and everyone. Um, but sometimes for like specific locations, I, I could get a little like stumped. Uh, in terms of, you know, like describing vistas and, and different like pre-planned points of interest and, uh, and, and stuff like that. So is this going to be a, a future long-term campaign type of setting or is this just going to be like a one-shot adventure, you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be very similar to like Dolmenwood uh in, in terms of being like a like a long setting. campaign yeah. setting. Okay, yeah, good. and then I, I, I want to release materials that, are like setting specific for it uh somewhere down the line like i think it'd be nice to combine the the one pagers that i've been doing and you know publish like a you know a big stack of them and be like here's right. a whole bunch of stuff that you can just drop in here at any point and and run i want to veer away from doing like uh here's the story you know kind of thing in this setting yeah more sandbox style yeah, I, I find that like 
being like, here's the story feels very restrictive to game masters. And I, and I've played in games before where, you know, people run like Eberron as a setting or, um, uh, what's the other one? Strixhaven. I, I can't even remember. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't play much five E. So when I was, yeah. With the, uh... <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like the, these settings are great and they're fleshed out and they feel vibrant, but it's, there's something about people having access to this content that says like, here's the story happening here. And they feel compelled to follow that. And it's right. like, well, if your players don't want to follow it, then don't follow it. Yeah. Don't follow <laughs> it. Right. Go you and know? do your own thing. Create your yeah. own place. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I think a setting should be a guide, not, not, not a, this is the way yeah. it is. Yeah, you know, and I, I just like people to have that freedom. I think it's important to have that freedom, especially for your players. You know, I think it's important that players have that freedom to, you know, feel like there is no stepping out of bounds. Right. Uh, but like, but feel, you know, re- restrained by like the rules of the world that they're within. You know? Yeah, I, I've played in games before where it's like, hey, I'm going to do this. Just go in this door, this room. It's like, take this option that I've thought of in this situation. And the game master's like, forcing you to do exactly what they want. It's right. like, uh, it's not the funnest games for me. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, it is what it is. And that's, you know, it's, I, I only started hearing the term railroad and sandbox some years. Well, I say some years back, it's probably been more years than I want to admit now. (laughs) (laughs) But but like, you know, for the first probably 20 years that I played, I never heard those terms. Um, Right. It's something that came out more in the 21st century or so that I've been hearing that discussion. I think a lot of it comes from like Wizards of the Coast pre-published, uh, you know, like pre-made adventures, yeah. right? Because those are like supposed to be railroady because you're supposed to be working through a story, but it puts referees and GMs in a mindset where they're like, this is campaign design. And it's like, no, 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 that's that's story design. It's a very different, it's a very different thing. There's nothing worse than being like, I want to open that door. And they're like, no it's like why not it's just a door you know it's like when you're playing a video game and you walk past all these buildings and, right you know, <laughs> nope, you can't go to there there's nothing inside right. it's generic it's, so yeah it's like a building's not that complicated like <laughs> you can you know you open the yeah. door what's on the other side probably a room i guess yeah probably a room with some stuff and there's a purpose <laughs> right. in the room within an office right. was it a cantina you know so. <laughs> right it kind of fills itself in you know once right you exactly about it yeah so and, um I, yeah that's i love that about old school stuff that, right. that yeah there's a know. lot of freedom there to be able to design yeah. your own thing yeah that like i got an emphasis on on sort of uh I don't think he ever used the term, but like that West Marches. Uh, West Marches is, is a great concept. Yeah. I co-DM on a West Marches oh, good. Uh, campaign. It, we play, you know, every Saturday. If what we, system you know, you try to. Uh, that one's 5e. That one's still on 5e. I've been trying to uh, gradually move uh, <laughs> well, I players mean, in, in, an, in an old school direction. Yeah. Uh, but. It's gotten a lot of people into the game. It, it's it's very popular, and I yeah. like I've never seen it as popular as it is now. It, yeah, it's, it's just it's, reality. 
Yeah, and so that that part is good, getting people as a gateway into role playing tabletop. Yeah, and I I don't know if I ever would have. I, I honestly I don't know if I ever would have really like found tabletop gaming if it wasn't for five e. I like Critical Role. I had a lot of friends who were talking about Critical Role, and then but people who don't play tabletop games they just watch Critical Role, and I'm like. Oh, well, okay. So I watched a couple of episodes and I'm like, so what are they doing here? Like, what is this? You know what I mean? Right. And I picked up the Dungeon Master's Guide for 5e. And, um, you know, because it's like, you can have a group of people who want to play, but if nobody wants to Dungeon Master, you're kind of, you know, you're yeah. SOL. Yeah. Got to have know. a referee. I remember, yeah. so I've heard, I, I want to I make a comment here. I've heard people speaking negatively what's happening here with Critical Role. and But people watch it, they get into role playing. Right. I remember back in the day when I was growing up, I heard the same negative talk about people who were just reading Dragonlance or Forgotten Realms novels right. and had never played the game. Right. It's just changed the medium where it's happening. It's no different right. than what was happening before. I remember some of my uh, my uh, longtime gaming buddies back in the day when I first met them, like, you play d and He's like, no, but I really want to. And I'm really into the Dragonlance books. I never read the Dragonlance book personally, <laughs> <laughs> but I played D&D. <laughs> Yeah, that's it is an interesting thing. I it I don't fully understand the the uh, the, the idea of like oh, I really like watching D and D, but yeah, I don't want to play it. I don't get it either. Um, yeah, maybe it's like watching like a TV show, perhaps because you have oh, yeah, yes. critical but, role, man, perhaps? that is a long TV show. That's like <laughs> yeah, it's like watching two full movies. You know what it I is. mean? Because their episodes are like four and a half hours long. I got to like episode forty of the second campaign, and I was like my wife's going to d- divorce me if I can't, like, <laughs> I, you know, like I can't dedicate this much time to, you know, this is crazy. And it's like, and then, you know, and I started watching it and I was like, I'm spending a lot of time watching this and I could just be spending that time playing, playing a two or playing, three hour yes, session. Exactly. That's what we'd rather do than um, watch it now. Right. Said, exactly. I might watch some playthroughs if it's a new system to me, just to learn the mechanics of the system. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to just watch it for the sake of watching. I'll go watch a TV show or movie, like right. you said. <laughs> you know, like for entertainment or something. Right. You know, it's like I have podcasts for that. I, and those are like an hour and a half. Like, you know, I, I, I like I listen to a lot of Nad Pod. I was really into a smaller podcast called Crit Sandwich. Uh, that's really, really fantastic. They, they are making episodes anymore, which sucks. But great, great, great content. But yeah, I yeah, and I I see a lot of people talk about like the Matt Mercer effect, and, and I'm like, I think that if you have difficult players who are not having a great time at the table, and it's because you're not behaving like Matt Mercer and his crew, it's like that's a them problem, not a you problem. Well, and- I. And I don't run into a lot of people who are like that, but I hear horror stories about it. <laughs> I did listen to an ep- episode of, well, I didn't, an episode of one of them. <laughs> I, don't, I think it was like a later one. And I, I was like, I was, and there was earlier this, was it earlier this year we bought the car? Or was it last year? I can't remember now. Whenever we bought the car, we had to drive an hour away to buy this new car. And I was driving back. I'm like, and I was like, I'm going to check out Critical Role. And I tried to find it on Spotify. And I started something from episode, it was like a, a newer thing. Now, people talk. I hear a lot about Matt Mercer, who I think is the dungeon master in this, right? So, yeah, 
I don't hear talk about the players, but the way those players played, I've never had those players at my table. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm like, I've no. never had players playing like that. No, <laughs> no, no way. The, the, no. The, those are like <laughs> voice actors and amateur actors, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, it's like, you know, it's like if your players are at the table and they're like looking at you as a, as a GM or a referee or whatever, and they're like, why aren't you doing all the voices and stuff? And it's like, I'm not a voice actor. I'm not like, a voice actor. You know, that's not my day job yeah, type of thing, like, right? <laughs> yeah exactly it's like i like i'm a research analyst a voice actor, <laughs> like go find somebody that's a voice actor right they, exactly hey, you know i try to do a little bit of variation and stuff but it's like ah you know no, that's a that's a production effort that they're doing on critical role i think a lot of people right. realize it's, that it's a full professional production yeah, guys <laughs> million it's, it's millions of dollars in in production costs and it's like and the players have like books of of about their character like you know what i mean like i i've sometimes it's a struggle to get like a couple of sentences of backstory if you're if you're really worried about it from players <laughs> it's like get if you want to write a novel about it then we can we can get to that kind of production quality but it's like at the same time like i'm not getting eight hundred dollars worth of dwarven forge terrain like right, exactly. sponsorship. Go build. yeah <laughs> right you know no, fully understand. yeah i think it's it's interesting i it's so funny i've never actually i i always wanted to I, i've never actually like held an original copy of dungeons and dragons I've, I've never even seen one in person what are you, are you talking about the box the old white box or what, what which one are you talking about the or the like old AD&D? pretty much any of them i think the <laughs> oldest i think the oldest edition of dnd that i've ever actually like seen or held was mm-hmm. was three really yeah i think oh, i think I was three like... <laughs> was i had a buddy who had a copy and it was like his dad's <laughs> hadn't been used in you know, understand understand i was like well years <laughs> you know if you ever come out our way between me and logar we probably got a nice collection of yeah stuff. we got a lot oh, of yeah. old I books <laughs> I my, my collection keeps growing it's starting to take up a whole lot of space on well, the bookshelf here here's the uh, thing if i were getting into it now don't like don't get into a d and b and the old ones because like a lot of the books that like i had i had books back in the day and i sold them off and then i read like i had whatever players i still got the first player's handbook i rolled up a character with which was originally my buddies nice. but when i was buying a lot of these books 90 percent of the time even in the 90s it was at like a half price bookstore or something like that and i right. was picking them up for seven bucks a piece right and now you see it floating around for 200 bucks online it's like yeah, right yeah it's like it's like we still have the original xbox and gamecube and i'm like <laughs> we're no no we're not playing these these are you know they're gonna we're gonna wait because these are gonna be worth something <laughs> right. yeah, and, and they have reprints you can buy on drive through that's yeah, like just print get the to order for a good yeah. price like right. they don't go out and spend 200 bucks to have this book yeah <laughs> that's what i mean and i'm not like I, i'm not too into like collector's <laughs> items or anything like that you know what i mean and I've heard that the layouts are pretty atrocious. Uh, oh, the AD and D. Well, so AD and D first AD and D is really bad layout. Yeah. Now yeah. second right. the first... ed, I, the layout's better. I appreciate the aesthetic of the inside too. 
it is a little denser. It is not as easy to get through as OSE. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stick stick with OSE. <laughs> yeah. OSE makes makes old school gaming very accessible. Not not and especially like I like minimalist RPGs, but it's really hard to get somebody to sign on to play one because they tend to be done by like you know independent like i i even made one the runner's rule set is available on my itch and that's that's a hack of uh tunnel goons by um oh yeah nathan Nathan treem i i don't think i'm pronouncing his last name correct yeah and and so you know it's like i like minimalist stuff and you can get that kind of old school vibe and but it's so it's very hard to get people to sign on to that when you're like look at this text document with 500 words crammed onto one page and they're like "Mm, pass (laughs) osc has been really great uh for that because people look at it and they're like oh it's just sharp it's clean like it's everything's laid out very coherently you know it makes it a lot easier to get people on board with it It, it's it's great for introducing like current gen like 5e and, and pathfinder 2e players like it's great for introducing them to, you know, the old school scene, I, I think. Well, we're about up on time. Could you tell the listeners where they can go to find what you've put out and give them a little idea where they can catch you online? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on itch.io, uh, it's under Later of Life. I tried to change the username, but it can't be changed for some reason. <laughs> uh, you can also look up Cameron Shanton on itch.io. It should come up that way too. Uh, and I've recently started putting my uh, my content on DriveThru, uh, also under Shanton Productions. DriveThru is fantastic, by the way. Love it. Just as a side note. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review. You can find us on Facebook. You search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I am on Twitter at Logar Hailcrom. You can support us on Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Rome, if you're playing 5e or OSC. <laughs>